Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Acquisition, a podcast for the B2B SaaS industry. Your host, John Wood, talks with SaaS industry leaders, founders, and experts. John will find out how they approach customer success in post-acquisition tactics, strategy, and tools. Find out what your peers are doing to keep their customers happy, engaged, and subscribed. Hello, this is John Wood, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Acquisition. Today, we sit down with Victoria Nickel, Director of Customer Success at the Predictive Index. The Predictive Index is an award-winning talent optimization platform aligning both business and people strategy to optimize your business results. Predictive Index is hosting the first talent optimization conference in Boston, November 20th through the 22nd. OptimaConference.com. Come check out some great guest speakers, Mel Robbins, author of The Five Second Rule, and David Cancel of Drift, to name a few. OptimaConference.com. Now here's the interview with Victoria. So Victoria, thank you for joining me on the Beyond the Acquisition podcast this morning. How are you today? I'm doing phenomenal. Thanks for having me here. We're happy to have you. Victoria is the Director of Customer Success at the Predictive Index. So let's get right into it. So Victoria, how would you define customer success? Sure. Well, for me, customer success really comes down to value, the value that we're creating for our customers. So here at Predictive Index, or PI uh, for short, uh, we're all about creating heroes. So we like to think about people that are using our platform or interacting with our platform as heroes, and we are those hero makers. And so if we can help people to drive value to help solve those business problems, I feel like that's truly what customer success is. And customer success is, is not a department, it's not a team. It's a whole organization coming together for that one big goal of helping people. I think that's what we're in the business of doing. I like it. Helping people, creating heroes. So on that note, in creating heroes, what, what would you say makes a, a great customer success leader? What are they doing in, during the day and, and what types of things can, can managers or they themselves do to, to develop um, and become a hero or a better hero? Yeah, I think it's a it's a good question. I often think it starts with uh, being a great leader in general. So I think that there's some key attributes that come with that. Uh, a lot about having that right self-awareness, um, having those empathetic listening skills, um, and really doing all that you can to empower and uplift your team and those around you. And so when it comes to adding on the layer of customer success and what it comes down to me is understanding the point of view of my customers or of the hero. And that can come in many different ways. So we, we have a program here at PI that's called Voice of the Hero. And what we are intending to do there is gather customer feedback, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, you know, the not so tangible, whatever it is. And you can gather that in different ways. Sometimes it doesn't have to be through an MPS survey, although we do those here. And sometimes it's not about what are the, you know, most common complaints that come into our support team. Sometimes it's, um, 
just listening to those stories of, hey, I had this problem. You know, I, I needed to hire someone that could fill this gap on my team and I was able to do it or I wasn't able to do it. And here's some challenges I'm having. Um, and I think sometimes it's just by understanding what are the struggles that my team is going with? What are the most common issues they have? Where are they falling down? Um, one of the things that I love about what we do here is we call it we drink our own champagne. So we actually use the PI tools here. And so some of um, what I'm going through here on a day to day, such as motivating my team, um, making sure that I'm growing leaders at every single level. Those are the very issues that I feel like my customers face. Um, and so I think what a great customer success leader does is have that empathy. They can combine it with listening and then put it into action. Great. And you guys have more of a, of a high touch approach here. Is, is that true? So with that, when, when you're going in and, and, and collecting that feedback from your customers, is that, is that through, through phone calls? Is it through a system? Is it through, you know, kind of walk me through, I'm assuming that you're, you're more high touch based on, based on your business model, but maybe give me a little bit of detail about the, the touch methods with the customers. Yeah, sure. I would say we do uh, all of the above here. So um, we do try to have a regular cadence with our customers, anything from um, having a very tight onboarding program when a new customer joins up, you know, in the first 30 days, making sure that we're setting them up for success to holding quarterly business reviews. Everything that um, I've learned throughout my years in customer success is that the key to it all is being proactive. And I think now with technology, what's incredible is that we can still be proactive even if something's automated. So for example, we have intelligence built into our software that can recognize when someone hasn't logged in for a few days or when someone isn't using a specific feature. And so what it does is it alerts our customer success managers that hold on on, this person might need some help from you. This person might need some interaction. Maybe something's changed. And those are the specific triggers that enable us to be proactive and get ahead of the, pro the problem. I want to jump into to helping organizations uh, adopt customer success because it's, it, it's typically a, you know, it really needs to come from the top. What, what things, you know, you've got a vast experience working in a number of different companies, specifically rapidly growing um, software companies that have gone from from startup phase to, to IPO, speaking of Rapid7 as an example. What types of things have you seen to, to either on the positive side, say, get customer success adopted within the organization from the top down, or, or maybe the other side of it where maybe you've seen some, some challenges getting it adopted, and what types of things would you suggest that folks out there do to, to help their organization better adopt customer success? Yeah. John, I, I think you really hit it on the nose when you said it's top down. I think sometimes we love to believe that any sort of initiative, you can rise up and rebel and, and uh, be heard if you scream louder. But I truly believe that putting that customer first and having the customer success mindset 
is at the heart of what the leadership team thinks. So I've been very lucky um, to be surrounded by leaders that truly do understand um, the value of being customer driven and being customer first, uh, but it wasn't always so simple, right? So it, it might take some time um, to get everyone on the same page because it is a time investment. It is a money investment. It is a different way to operate as a business. So one thing that we found that really helps, um, whether it was at Rapid7 or here at PI, is using data to help us. Um, so most recent example I can give to you where um, you're really trying to change the hearts and minds of your leadership team is we sent out a recent MPS survey. It's something we do two, three times a year anyway. And you know, with these surveys, you get a lot of feedback, you get a score, maybe you do a presentation to your board, uh, and that's it. It doesn't really get actioned. But what actually ended up here at PI was one of the most impressive turnarounds I've seen. We had only had the survey open for two weeks at that point, so it wasn't even closed. We hadn't even sat down to do all the analytics analysis, you know, get your BI teams, get your science teams involved to slice and dice the data. That hadn't even happened. We just went off of some trends we were seeing, a few responses we were seeing, where it really talked about our processing speed, that it was giving some pain to our customers. So what happened, um, the SVP of customer success went to our VP of engineering. Two days later, our VP of engineering completely changed our Q3 initiative. Why? Because it was important that we address that customer feedback. So. Again, I don't think that that can happen unless by default the entire company's committed to putting the customer first. And how I would say I would recommend for companies if, if your leadership team isn't there yet, it's use the data, use those customer stories. Because at the end of the day, the person that signs your paycheck isn't your CEO. It's the customer. Great. So it... It, wa it wasn't the scores on the NPS that you were looking at. It was the, it was the comments and the, and and the, probably there was some sort of a trend of of performance related comments and you pulled that out of the data without fancy charts and graphs and made a decision. You've done some consulting in your past around mindfulness. I think even before mindfulness was maybe quite as popular as it as it is today. Um, when you look at emotional intelligence and mindfulness in in customer success. How, what kind of what things are you doing or what do you look for to to in the employees as well as as the managers of those employees specifically within customer success so customer success managers what types of things should they be doing to be mindful of customer actions and how can the managers sort of coach the teams and be mindful of their own teams um maybe just speak a bit on that yeah it's interesting, John, you asked this because it really is something I've spent a long time thinking about. Um, I think that what prerequisites mindfulness is self-awareness. I know for me, it has not always been the easiest journey to continuously challenge myself to be more self-aware. Um, and it took me and a lot of wonderful people around me to really examine myself and be more introspective. I often um, have a lot of my managers ask me, you know, I'm really trying to work with this person. How do I make them more self-aware? Is there a certain book? Is there a sur certain silver bullet? I've yet to find one, but what's helped me bring mindfulness into my practice 
uh, apart from whatever, you know, uh, how much effort I try to meditate five minutes a day, of maybe of which I could do two seconds of, um, has really been exploring myself through feedback. So um, I've done uh, 360s for the past maybe five, six years of my career. I'm consistently asking for people around me for feedback. Uh, the people that are brave enough uh, to give it to me, I listen to it. Um, I try to action it. I'm constantly trying to improve myself and think of different ways that um, that I can challenge myself to be better. The idea is that if I am self-aware and if I can really listen to what people are saying, hopefully I can hear the message that's being told. Um, so I think it really comes down to trying to put others um, before yourself. That's hard to do. It's also hard to get honest feedback in a managerial position. So um, because, you know, of all the various reasons we can all assume there. But that, you know, that is great. And, and just just to let everyone know, um, before we got on this podcast today, Victoria had me run through. What, what was the name of the, uh, the, the little test that I took? Sure. So it's a behavioral assessment. Uh, has uh, you know 70 years of scientific validity. It's just one of the assessments that we use here at PI that serves as one data point that allows us to better understand what drives us. Because if we can really understand what drives human behavior, what's that fire inside of us that uh, that makes us do what we do, then hopefully we can become more self-aware and we can begin to uh, augment um, and be more aware of other people um, so that we can interact with them in what makes sense for them. Yeah, I, I know that I, I, I was able to assert a few things on myself today and, and learn some things and, and sort of confirm some thoughts, but it was, it, I would encourage everyone to do it. It took, it took five minutes and it was, it was definitely helpful and it sort of maybe opened the floodgates a little bit into... To, to being more mindful of myself and how I approach situations. So that was fun. So let's shift gears a little bit. What, what are you reading? What are you listening to? Sure. Uh, I'm a sucker for content. Uh, I feel like I'm constantly consuming. I am obsessed with Audible um, and like to listen to books or podcasts any chance I get. Uh, I try not to multitask too much, but I think I've become pretty proficient at, at listening to books. Um, so one of the things I love about PI is we have a pretty healthy book club. I, I've been a part of many book clubs before. I think what happens is you start off the first one, you have a lot of attendance, and then it sort of drifts off. But we have a book club here, and our president and CEO often attend it. Um, they actually recommend books that we read. So the last book that we read was Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek, so I love that. Um, a lot of great other books that we've read that is almost had called mandatory reading here is Drive, Extreme Ownership. Uh, right now we're reading The Goal. Um, so I do love business books. Sometimes I find that, um, you know, you've read one business book, maybe you've read many. So one app that I use is Blinkist. So 15 minute summaries of some business books. So if I need to get the concept down, I use that. But uh, on my own time, there's two podcasts that, that really shape uh, my outlook and help me be more worldly, and that's uh, Sam Harris's podcast, if you're familiar with him, and another podcast called After On, where um, 
uh, a lot of uh, professionals delve into uh, topics around technology, AI, the future state of our economy and technology. And again, it just lets me to bring in that outside knowledge into the decisions I'm making to make sure we're staying modern and on top of things. Um, so before we close out today with uh, with Victoria Nickel, who is the Director of Customer Success at Predictive Index, what is a productivity hack or tool or something that you're you're using to help you maybe be more efficient during the day? Great question, John. Doesn't everyone just want to hack? <laughs> yeah, make um, it easy for us. Yeah, exactly. Well, I wish I could say there was one thing that I use um, that's changed my life. Um, and there's a short list that I have. So I've started using Asana this year, and that's been an incredible tool specifically because the rest of our organization uses it. So it's really helped me to collaborate. I actually use Asana on my one-on-ones. So it allows me to prepare for our one-on-ones, make sure I'm not missing any details. Uh, I'm a big fan of my old uh, sticky note. I'm, uh, I'm holding real sticky right notes. Now. Real, real sticky note. <laughs> she's she's holding on left that, in front of me right now. It's pink. <laughs> That's right. So at the beginning of the week, I write down the big three things I need to get done. On a Friday, I crumple it up, throw it out, and start all over again. But at the end of the day, what actually works and the very thing no one wants to hear about is self-discipline. Um, I try to be extremely disciplined about when I check my email, when I check my thousands of Slack messages. I see the blinking number even right now on my computer, but it takes us that self-discipline not to multitask. It takes that self-discipline to say, you know what, I can't get to this email right now, so it makes no sense for me to read it because I'm just going to have to reread it again. Um, and I try to share the knowledge that I've gained and with uh, the rest of my organization, with my team, and help uh, help one another hold themselves accountable. There's no such thing as time management. There's only the concept of self-management. Ooh. So in that, do, do you use your calendar and say, okay, well, I'm only going to check my emails when I come in at 8.30, and then I'm going to stop at 9.30, and I'm going to focus on the five tasks I have on my, my rainbow-colored sticky notes? Is that, is that your approach? So I do use my calendar uh, and try to use my time very wisely. My calendar is broken up in blocks that are based on my quarterly goals, my monthly goals, and the weekly goals that I set. So again, it's all, it's all about having that discipline. But what I do is I, I allocate some time. So one best practice that we have here at PI that I'm so proud of and we really hold uh, each other accountable to is we end our meetings um, at 10 of or 5 of for half an hour meetings to allow that extra five minutes in between so you're not running around, you're not consistently late. We start things on time here. And in those five minutes, you'd be surprised how much you can get done. Get a little bio break in, grab a drink, check a few Slack messages that are really important and look through, just skim your email to see if there's anything urgent that needs to get done. So yes, I, I try to not check it more than five, six times a day, but those five, 10 minute slots allow me not to miss anything urgent. Victoria, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Acquisition. And don't forget about the Optima Conference coming to Boston, Massachusetts, November 20th through the 22nd. That's hosted by the Predictive Index. OptimaConference.com. You can get more details. 
This is John Wood, host of Beyond the Acquisition. Please be sure to check out our other episodes on Apple iTunes. Download and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Acquisition.